electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Sarah, thank you very much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, growth versus value. That debate is back. And that's after the Dow continues its surge. The Nasdaq pulling back today. We'll debate where your money will work best in the months ahead with the Investment Committee. Joining me, Josh Brown, Kerry Firestone, Amy Raskin, and Jim Laventhal. Let's go to the markets, take a look at what we're doing. Dow's good for uh, 278. Uh, that's just shy of 1%. It's a red for the S&P and the Nasdaq as well. 385 is the yield on the 10-year note. Uh, Jim, I'll come to you first uh, because I do feel like it's time to have a growth versus value debate today. The laggards are leading. It's energy, it's healthcare, financials, industrials, transports have been strong lately, and tech has taken a little bit of a appeal back today, which I'm suggesting may be a good thing that we're having take a little break and see these laggards start to get a little something going. Uh, it's making me feel good, Scott. I mean, you know I'm, I'm long the cyclical trade. I'm overweight the cyclical trade, so I'm enjoying this. I do think it's overdue. I want to be clear, though, I don't think this is a situation, nor from the beginning of the year have I said it's a situation where tech is fundamentally damaged. But at the moment, I do think it's ahead of itself. It's dragged the market higher with it, which is a good thing. But you're seeing the broadening out right now. Here's the most positive thing I can say. When you think about these sectors that have lagged, like energy, like materials, like financials. There's actually fundamental reason to be long these sectors going forward. The earnings have been coming in better than expected, albeit early in the season. But economic activity, which should promote the profit growth for these sectors going forward, is really quite strong. It's what I've been saying all along. I'm not, uh, I'm not changing my tune, even as I do some trimming on the margin of some positions. I really do think that value is poised from this position uh, to return better than tech, both both because of where the price action has been, mainly they've been laggards, and also because of where I see earnings growth going forward. You feeling good about that Goldman Sachs sale? It's up near 3% today. Financials have just gotten going. Yep. Too. Well, and now you're a seller of Sherwin-Williams. Yep. Still thinking the market's going to pull back. Yeah, and well, but let's also put this into perspective in terms of size. What I said, and I said this to you yesterday, Scott, I do think at any point in time you can have a 5 to 7% pullback. Now, the market, by the way, could go up 15 to 20% before that happens. And what that means is when you do a little trimming, as I'm doing in the portfolio, you do not get carried away. I am not, I'm about 7% cash right now. I'm not going higher than 10%. That's way too much. If I'm wrong in the market rallies, the other 93% that's invested right now will do just fine. To the question that may be on people's minds, well, wait a second, if you're long all these cyclicals, why are you trimming a material stock like Sherwin-Williams or a financial like Goldman Sachs? Good question. Answer, I, Good I, questions, I know, viewers. I've, you know, I've, I've worked with you for 10 years, Scott. I, I feel a symbiosis here. Um, I've got so much in these cyclicals. I mean, I'm really overweight, and being underweight technology has hurt me. I want to add to technology when it comes down, if it continues to come down. This is not a spot that I want to trim. I've got a, I've got a very strong overweighting right. cyclicals, so that's where I've got to take So, from. Josh, how do we view this idea of growth versus value in this debate perhaps being back? 
Um, if you look at the one-month performance, let's say, of the major averages, every, everything's in lockstep. The Nasdaq uh, over one month period of time up 3.8, 3.9. The Dow up 3.8, and the S&P up 3.7. Today, the Dow, and this week, by the way, over a one-week period, the Dow is up two and three quarters percent versus somewhat muted gains for the others. One of the things that we were talking about this spring, when we were saying, "Okay, this is a nice rally, but is this sustainable? Like, can we persist and 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 get back to the old highs, or?" dare I say, get through. And the question was, well, I don't know. Can we do that with seven stocks? Or are we going to have a catch-up trade in the rest of the market? Or it could have gone the other way. You could have had the rest of the market stay stagnant and have these giant uh, growth stocks eventually succumb and and catch down. Uh, I think we know how that story ended. Uh, We've we've gotten the, the strength of the rest of the market. And you've got an advanced decline line now for uh, the S&P 500. That is the best since August of 2022. Um, Today, though, is back in the day, we used to call this an upside down day. So upside down day is like your biggest losing stocks were the big winners and your big winners took a breather. And or some people would call it counter trend. That's what you're looking at right now. Out of the top 20 performing stocks in the S&P 500 year to date, 18 out of 20 are down today. And they're not down a little. They're down an average of 2%. So that's an upside down day. I wouldn't use that. I know we're doing a segment, but like, I wouldn't use that to concoct a whole new narrative about all of a sudden the leadership for the rest of the year is going to switch. It could, but one day is one day. So you got nice outperformance out of healthcare mm-hmm. today. These stocks have done these stocks have done nothing this year. I don't know if you know, but the XLV actually mm-hmm. is down two yeah, percent year it's, to date. It's been terrible. Look at uh, yeah. So look at J and J. It's up six percent today. Leading you want to roll down. the dice tomorrow? You want to tell me? You want to tell me it's up another six percent tomorrow, or or next week? You know what I mean? So. I wouldn't I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't do that. It's a nice catch up. Look, I have stocks that are making new 52 week highs today. JP Morgan, Berkshire Hathaway, Invitation Homes. These are, I guess these are like my value stocks. Okay, great. I don't think that we should extrapolate a whole new market regime mm-hmm. based on what's going on this morning. Oh no, Carrie, I mean I think you could look at this and say if if you're bullish the market, this is exactly the kind of thing you'd like to see. Not to suggest in any way that all of a sudden tech is going to fall back and then these stocks are, are going to lead. But if, they, if the so-called catch-up trade is real and lasting, then that's a good thing for the overall health of the market. Yeah, exactly, Scott. And uh, again, if you look at today and J&J leading the Dow, I mean, J&J is the same price as it was in May of 2021. Um, It really needs to start to move, as do other healthcare names that have been just incredibly poor performers. Uh, what What we see in Tesla and Netflix in particular today, and they're the ones that are leading the march down, are two incredibly strong stocks for this year. I mean, there is no doubt that in the minds of many owners of Tesla and Netflix, they have wondered at times, gosh, 
is this going to last forever? At what point do I think about selling a little bit of my holding if you've owned them from the bottom of, you know, over the last year or two? So I think it's very healthy, as Josh said, that we have some reprise. If you look at what happened in April, it was similar. We had an enormous rally in March, and the market took a pause in April before rebounding again in May for the growth stocks and the big tech names. So we think it's healthy. We really need to have sort of some calming down down of expectations for these stocks, not saying the earnings won't grow. I mean, the earnings are growing very, very nicely for the large catch names. But we we have to see some uh, plateauing for just a, a period of time before they can advance again and let the rest of the market participate, not just mm-hmm. catch up, but participate, yeah. which is what they were not doing. Amy, what's your view? Uh, you know, I think this is a reversal, but I think it's not just, it's a reversal based on news. J&J reported this morning, Netflix and Tesla, um, Tesla reported this morning. So people are reacting to what the expectations were and the data that we got. So I think it does mean a little bit more than just if this was a reversal day, you know, not based on news. Um, you know, the, the large technology is trading at almost a record premium. You have to go back to 1999. Um, these stocks, the large cap, the earnings have not been great. It really has been multiple expansion. If you look at them as a group, earnings are actually down. Um, so I think, you know, we made some trades last week. I do think this is potentially the start of something, you know, maybe not for the next few weeks, but over the next 12, you know, 12 months. Um, of a reversal. And um, I do think it's healthy, but given the weight in the indexes, this isn't going to be good for the market overall. You know, Jim, it's not like um, the NASDAQ is, is having like the, the most horrible day uh, ever. I mean, even though Netflix and Tesla are a weight on it, and that's because Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet, at least the last I looked, were all in the green. And Apple's been at a new high. Microsoft's been right around there as well. So you, you, you had to figure anyway that and maybe it'll still be the case that if tech does have uh, any kind of sell-off, that it's going to be quickly bought. Yeah, I, exactly. I By people like you who are raising cash looking to get a little more engaged. That's, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your words, and I've, I've been engaged, as you know, no, I for mean, quite I'm some time. I'm more engaged in tech. Yeah, got, gotcha, That's what you gotcha. said. Yeah, in fact, had That's this conversation, Scott, um, this morning with one of my analysts saying, okay, well, how are you going to feel if NVIDIA goes down 10%? And let's just, I'm not picking on NVIDIA, but it's, you know, obviously the one that's up the most this year. Yeah. I don't think for one second that NVIDIA is going to go down 10% because of some fundamental breakdown in the company. That I really don't believe. Could NVIDIA or any of these stocks do what Netflix is doing today? Of course it could. And it could just be because expectations are too high and when results come in, there's a little bit of disappointment. But, you know, as if Netflix were on my buy list, it's not. This would be a great opportunity. I obviously have to have cash to do something with such an opportunity. Um, and if it happens to NVIDIA, to the point you're making, Scott, I will be right there. Um, you know, I own Apple. I own Microsoft. If if uh, they come down, I could add to those as well. But the one thing that I have to say about me is, you know, the thing I hate the most is the market goes down and you're saying, okay, well, I'm going to sell this stock to buy this stock. That really does not feel good to anyone. Uh, so you get, you've got to take a chance and say, all right, I'm, I think there's going to be a pullback at some point in time. I'm going to be ready for it. By no means. Selling Goldman Sachs yesterday, by no means does that mean to say that I think it's going down today or tomorrow. But you just have to be positioned in advance. Well, I'm glad you're not saying it because it's not going down today and it might not go down tomorrow. And the financials, Amy, look like they actually woke up. 
Yeah, no, I was actually really pleased with Goldman's quarter yesterday. Um, I, I was actually not so pleased with the quarter. I was pleased with the stock reaction. When you have a bad quarter and the stock goes up and the CEO says we're at a 10-year low for investment banking, you know, that's the time where I get more interested, not less interested. So, um, you know, obviously, I don't know what the catalyst is, but when stocks go up on bad quarters, um, that means that expectations are pretty low. You know, I'm looking at, at calls today since we were talking about tech. Carry Meta. Uh, bullish note from JP Morgan. It's their top pick. Microsoft and Apple, of course, get get positive calls uh, almost every day. Um, do you think there might be a, I don't I, hate, I even hate to use the word meaningful pullback in some of these mega cap tech names. Their earnings are next week and it's going to be hard for people to to sell some of these names ahead of those prints. Yeah, exactly. I think there could be a pause in the performance only because they have been so incredibly strong. There are high expectations. And as we all know, AI has driven a lot of this. It's been a catalyst for the market. The market was going up because the market was down so much last year. And then it caught fire because artificial intelligence and the deployment across technology and its uses in software. So, you know, perhaps we're going to hear less than what some investors who bought into this craze recently thought they would hear at this point. I mean, we're at the beginning of a revolution in software related to um, AI. We're not in the middle of it. And so perhaps some people will say, gosh, I wanted more. The stock's up 50%, 100%, 150%. Let's just sell it here. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the reaction to earnings is muted. Just what we saw with Netflix today. It doesn't mean you walk away from the stock and people like Jim or other people who have not been owners will start to buy them. It would be our opinion. I want to bring up something as well that I'm seeing cross here. It looks like SAP has reported a miss. I'm just thinking of cloud software as we're talking about tech, and I'm looking at some of the names within that space. That, that stock's halted, SAP is still, but it looks like they've reported a miss and uh, maybe have guided lower as well. I'm still looking for more information on that, but if you look at, uh, let's say, uh, Salesforce, for example, that stock is down. Some of the other stocks in that universe are uh, taking a little bit of a move lower as I guess the market's dissecting what's happened there. Uh, watching what's happening in chips today, too. Uh, after Taiwan Semi, uh, which we've made our chart of the day as a result of this announcement there and the stock pullback. Christina Partsinovelos is here with us uh, on set to go through this a little bit as we talk about what's happening in some of these other areas of tech. Mega Cap gets all the air in the room. Uh, but it's chips and it's software, and we need to figure out where we are. Well, I, I think this follows the theme that you're just talking about. AI was the knight in shining armor, and it's not necessarily going to save a lot of these names. Taiwan Semi said that AI contributes about 6% of total revenue. They believe that it's going to grow at a compound annual growth rate of 50% over the next five years. That's great, but still not enough to offset the weakness that we're seeing in PCs and smartphones, which doesn't bode well for the likes of Intel, AMD. So specifically with TSMC, they did have a, a profit drop. Uh, we haven't seen that in, what, four years. Maybe that's bad. The fact that they did lower their full year uh, sales guidance by 10%, a little scary because of weaker growth coming out of China. But we kind of knew this. We knew that the weakness in China was going to hit. It just shows the bottom line with this report is that AI is helping, but it can offset the weakness that we're seeing elsewhere. You know, you, you've been talking about the SMH, right? It hit an all-time high yesterday. So there's been a lot of optimism. So many of the areas within tech have had a great run. 
And then you hear news like this, or, or maybe even what I was saying earlier about SAP and the software space. And by the way, you got ServiceNow is down almost 3%, Oracle's in the red, CRM is in the red. So maybe it's just a reality check on you know, a breath that needs to be taken in some of these areas. 100%, 100%, but how much of a reality check will people take when it comes to NVIDIA? And if NVIDIA, they guided, uh, what, to 11 billion, blew it out of the park for a lot of analysts. If they guide again for the following quarter, that'll have everybody come right back into the SMH, right back into the SOX. Josh, you know, what, what do you make of, of what's happening here from Taiwan Semi? You know, look, NVIDIA has, what superlative can you use that hasn't been used already? But what's your view? I think Taiwan Semi is extremely highly correlated with the SMH, as it should be, and it's going to be really tough if that stock uh, can't find a short-term bottom. It's going to be really tough to be in that space and not see pullbacks pretty much across the board. And unfortunately, in Semiland, the higher beta names, deserved or not, probably will retrace uh, the most. So that is NVIDIA, it's AMD, you know the names that are on that list. Um, look, I, I, uh, in June, I started trimming positions. I took a quarter of my NVIDIA position off the table, which we talked about here on the show. I sold DocuSign, I sold Oracle. And people are like, well, why are you selling? Look at the rally. Yeah, I know, but I can't hold everything. If, as it continues to rally, I don't want a portfolio that's like mostly tech mostly high beta tech, quite frankly. So I think this is just like part of what you have to expect. Things don't go up in a straight line, regardless of fundamentals. So if you had been taking profits in some of your tech names during this furious rally, maybe at the moment you did it, it didn't feel great, but this is a reminder of why you need to do that. Um, and so, so that's where I am right now on this. Amy, uh, ASML raised their outlook, uh, which is a stock you own as well. I, yes, they did raise their outlook, but the stock was down. So it's a similar thing. It's, um, I agree with Josh. These stocks have done so well for so long, and um, they're due for a pullback. I think just to that point, the stock is down. For uh, TSMC, they did guide, they kept their guidance for CapEx, capital expenditures, but they said they would be on the lower end. And, right. So you're seeing a reaction in a lot of these equipment makers. ASML is one, uh, LAM, Applied Materials, all of these names are down, what, at least 3% or more. You've had to figure that like a pullback was in the cards at some point anyway. I mean, the SMH is on pace for back-to-back -back losses and its worst day since the end of May of, of, of this year. Precisely, but how, again, there's right. just so much high with AI, and it, it seems that too many, too often, certain investors will just use that word simultaneously for everything in the market, especially for for software too. And it's not necessarily the case because not every chip maker, not every software player, is going to provide this AI solution that's going to take us forward. Now, see, you've had a year's worth of gains in a lot of names. ASML year to date. Christina's up 31%, Taiwan Semi's up 38, KLA 25, Applied Materials 45, AMD 80, Broadcom 61, LAM 52, and then NVIDIA's up more than 200. I mean, but th that's emblematic of many parts of tech, right. where you've had at least a year's worth, if not many years worth of gains in six months. So are you suggesting there should be a breather? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it doesn't have to be a breather, but it feels like it's Jim thinks there's going to be a breather in, in the, the market itself, that it's due for a 5 to 7% pullback. Does that mean it's going to happen? No. If, if, 
I think this is a great comment, not only on semis, but in the markets overall. You should look at what I'm doing as stock picking. That's really what you should look at. And you can do that in, you know, Follow writ him. large, <laughs> writ large in the semiconductor space. Take out the AI names for a second. Focus on just a middle of the road. Focus on Qualcomm for a second. Smartphones, right? Because I heard what you said just a minute ago, like the smartphone sector has been weak. That's a factual statement. Just yesterday, you had J.P. Morgan, the analyst, come out and say, hey, we think it's bottoming. We see signs of life in China. You know, the point I'm trying to make out is make here is when you take AI out of the picture, which has this huge balloon effect that you referred to, there are cross currents going on in the rest of the semiconductor space. You know what? That happens at a bottom. That happens at a pivot point. The rest of the semiconductor space has been not that great in terms of the fundamentals for the last year. Now you're starting to see signs of a pivot. I'm not, not going to make that call in laptops. I'm not going to make that call in computers, right. PCs. But at some point, that's going to happen. And it's the cross currents right now of ASML on the one hand versus Taiwan Semi on the other hand. That's what happens at pivot points. Yeah. Christina, thank you. Thanks. That's Christina Partsinevelos. I'll see you later on Closing Bell. Um, we do have um, another member of the committee who's been trimming some tech names, uh, including NVIDIA. Bill Baruch uh, joins us now. He trimmed his top five holdings of Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Tesla by 10% each. And that's in the final hour of trading yesterday. Do tell. Yeah, and Adobe as well. I mean, these positions, you know, echoing what Josh had said, they have just become so large within a portfolio. I mean, I've trimmed NVIDIA multiple times this year, even to move it back to basically number 10. And it keeps elevating higher as the market moves. Now, this is well, I'm, I'm looking at the Fed meeting next week. We're looking at seasonality that's taking place from, from the end of June through the end of July. And I'm not going to just kind of raise a ton of cash all at once. So taking 10% off of each of those top five names here is starting to plan. I'll probably do a little bit more maybe before the Fed meeting next week. But by the end of this month, I hope to raise, and again, echoing what uh, Jim had said, about 7% cash here going into what could be a more, you know, just a, a correction that we could see. I was on the show last week and was talking about a correction that should happen between August and October. And I've been extremely bullish. It doesn't change that I'm, I'm very bullish, but you got to be realistic and you got to say, okay, this it could cool off a little bit. And seasonality between August and October, it happens. Now, if it happens in August, I, I think it could be a 5% correction. If it happens really in October, we could be at record highs and it could be more of a 10% correction. And I plan on just raising cash you know, through that, but uh, these names have done terrific. I, I expect them to continue to do well, uh, but I just it's a position management at this point. You brought us full circle in a way uh, from where we started the show, this growth versus value. Uh, conversation and taking some profits in growth and going towards perceived value anyway. You bought Amgen, which is a new position for you. Yeah, yeah, we added Amgen. Now, we're looking at this as, as, a, as a nice accumulation it's been since, since the uh, that sell-off in May and some of the FTC news. There's continued news that's going to develop with FTC, but I want more exposure in the healthcare space. We have AbbVie right outside the top five, so I wanted to add something that, to diversify a bit more within the pharmaceutical space. And I, I really think that in the second half of this year, we're not going to see another 40% from tech. So where is the outperformance going to come from? I think it come from healthcare. I think it come from small caps. So I want to make sure I'm positioned properly over the next couple of months to be ready for that for the second half of the year. I right, appreciate you joining us uh, to go through that, Bill Baruch. We'll see you back here on the set, hopefully sometime soon. So we're going to take a break in a moment. But before we do that, Josh, I just want you to give me something on toast, which you had, I think, doubled your position on the other day. It got absolutely destroyed yeah. yesterday, and that sell-off has continued today by another 2%. It was a double-digit percentage loser yesterday. What's going on? 
So this is one of those things where my timing maybe could not have been worse, like literally to the minute. Uh, but unfortunately, stick around long enough, this is going to happen. Um, my average cost is uh, higher than where it is right now, so obviously I'm not thrilled. I did buy a little bit more yesterday into the sell-off. Basically, they have a $99, uh, $99 charge—99-cent uh, charge on transactions that was very unpopular with their uh, restaurant customers. They had launched it early July and reversed themselves relatively quickly. And I think you saw uh, maybe the sell side say, okay, this is gonna hurt for a quarter or so. Uh, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think that the sell-off is justified to the extent of what's really going on here, but I get it. It's a high beta stock, as I had mentioned, and uh, just the timing could not have been worse. So that's the story there. Just to underscore it too, I don't want to make, I want to make sure we just didn't blow over it. You said you added uh, a little bit yesterday on the weakness that we saw. I did. I mean, you have no, listen, if you're investing, if you're an investor, you have no choice. If you're a trader, you're probably not doing that. Uh, the difference between investing and trading here, if you're a trader, this is a stock that technically was about to break out. Maybe that's why you took the trade. Uh, obviously, what happened yesterday changes that. So, if, you know, if you're trading it, your risk management should probably have you out. As I've discussed, I'm building a position in it now. Um, I plan to be an investor here. I like the story long term. The difference here is they're doing the right thing for their users, for their customers. They had a very unpopular charge. They're removing it. Maybe it's a short-term hit, but long-term, it's for the best. So if you're an investor, that's what you should be concerned with. If you're a trader, it's very different. You don't want to own a stock that does what this thing did yesterday. You yeah. got to move on to something that's working. Yeah, I appreciate you addressing it too. Uh, let's do this. Let's take that quick break, come back. We'll run through a few more big earnings movers today, find out how the committee is positioning. We'll do it next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. All right, Dow's up nearly 300, as you saw there. Let's go through some more earnings movers today. Carrie, Hugh, Blackstone, stocks down a smidge. Uh, EPS beat, revs missed. They have a trillion dollars now in assets. What's your take here on a stock you own? Well, first of all, Blackstone is up 47% year to date. And the market has understood that the private equity business, which is all about selling the companies that are in your portfolios, has been weak so far this year. And probably this was the lowest quarter for realization. And we're going to start to see an upturn because interest rates are peaking. And that's good for private equity. The fact that it's only down I don't know, quarter of a point right now, I think is a positive because investors understand and they're looking 
past this quarter that's behind us to the future where realizations will pick up a trillion dollars in assets under their umbrella is incredible. They are the big gorilla in the room. And we really feel that with real estate starting to look positive and with them positioned in private equity and, and a number of funds that are doing extremely well and growing with management fees and now selling some of those assets, this is a stock given that the multiple is below the market, will continue to outperform. You know, um, I think one of the most interesting charts in the entire market today is DR Horton, uh, which I'm looking at right now. Look at the intraday there. You had a spike of like 4%, and then before you looked at it again, the stock is down more than 3%. I just want the take, Josh, you have a take here. I know you don't own it, but you do own Invitation. Um, there's some other housing-related plays, and many of these stocks have been trading at all-time highs, and perhaps that is the only reason why we're seeing a chart look the way it does, just the stocks have been ripping. Yeah, I can't, I can't find, like, a, an actual reason. This is, like, this is, when people use the term blow-off top, this is exactly what they're referring to. I don't like when stocks go parabolic and then reverse and close out the day negative. That's really dangerous uh, price action. What we're doing here is analyzing the behavior of the buyers and sellers, not the fundamentals. And what that tells you is that maybe not a full-on psychological shift, um, but maybe the shareholder base is now too heavily concentrated amongst momentum players and maybe not as heavily concentrated amongst fundamental uh, fundamentally driven shareholders as maybe it was six months ago. So when you get a lot of momentum money in a name, you could have a, a blow off top like this, a reversal like this. I think you got to be careful until it cools off. Yeah. Horton, I would have I mean, like knee jerk. I would have like knee jerk be buying into this. Yeah. I mean, here, it's up just 38 percent. Uh, sorry. It's up 38 percent year to date. Uh, XHB's up up 36. Uh, airlines are a place to look as well uh, because of United Airlines, Jimmy. You own Alaska and Delta, as we talked yesterday, uh, but this sector's on fire. It's on fire. I mean, American also had good reports. Um, you know, a little bit of shaky price action across the sector today, but that's really just because, and this is what Josh was talking about uh, a second ago, just how, how much these uh, stocks have soared, pun intended, uh, over the past few months. Honestly, I think it's going to continue, but let me say two incongruous things. I just said it's going to continue, but these are not long-term holdings. These are not stocks that you put in your closet and forget about and open up the closet 20 what, years later. Airlines? Yeah. But, are, I mean, but, but how, do you, how can you say that? You've owned Alaska Airlines for as long as I can remember talking to you on this program. It's it's not as long as you think. It, it came out, it started it right at the pandemic, and it's taken longer, this is your point though, it's taken longer to have its value recognized than I would have liked. That's happening now. I think there is more to go in terms of that value recognition, that intrinsic value recognition for the airlines. But this is not a stock that you and I should be talking about a year from now. It just isn't. So you won't, you don't think you'll be in the airlines a year from now? Uh, I really don't. I mean, there's only, you know, there's stocks you and I talk about, we all talk about, like a Cisco system, a Home Depot, that are in the portfolio for years. They're steady eddies. They just do their job. They're long-term holding. Airlines are not that stock. You are correct. I've had to hold this longer, simply, Alaska Airlines, simply because the market hasn't believed what I thought I saw a few years ago. Well, now it's starting to recognize it. I'm going to let it run a little further. You want to give me something on, uh, I know you don't own LVS, you own Wynn. 
LVS story seems to be uh, a Macau that's a bit slower than people expected. You have to believe, I mean, isn't Win part of that story too? Win is part of that story. Actually, the numbers were better than expected. I mean, the share price reaction today is a little bit, a little bit of a head scratcher, but honestly, these names, Scott, Las Vegas Sands, Win that have a lot of Macau exposure, they rallied hard at the end of, the, of last year into this year. They have flatlined since. The reason they flatlined is exactly what you're talking about, the, the fizzling China recovery. That leaves room to the upside, frankly, for China to stimulate and get that going. But the Macau numbers actually weren't that bad at Las Vegas Sands. With regards to wind, you've got Las Vegas. I know Las Vegas Sands doesn't have Las Vegas operations. Wind does, and Boston. There's a lot of things going right for that sector, and wind in particular. All right, thank you for that. Now let's get the headlines with Seema Modi. Hi, Seema. Hi, Scott. And we start in Russia, launching its third night of air attacks on Ukraine's southern cities, including the port of Odessa. Ukrainian officials report dozens of injuries, saying the attacks have damaged critical infrastructure at Ukraine's largest port and destroyed at least 60,000 tons of grain. Russia's bombardment intensifying this week after the country pulled out of a wartime deal that allowed Ukraine to export its grain to the world. A man died in Death Valley National Park in what officials suspect was a heat-related fatality. The 71-year-old collapsed outside a restroom during scorching 121-degree heat. The National Park Service is encouraging park visitors to safely sightsee from air-conditioned cars and only to hike in the park's cooler mountains. And at least two people were killed and five others injured during a shooting in Auckland, New Zealand, just hours before the first Women's World Cup soccer match was scheduled to begin. The gunman was later killed and has not been identified. Authorities, they believe he was a construction worker at the site where the shooting occurred. The Halftime Report returns after this short break. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. We're back. Let's get to Dom Chu. He's been digging into SAP. Dom, is the stock still halted? The stock is actually moving right now, and it's moving towards its session lows, Scott. So we're talking about down 5% or so. SAP slipping after reporting earnings. So the German enterprise business software giant missing on both earnings and on revenues. Cloud revenues, though, did jump on a year-over-year basis, which offset a decline in some of its software licensing streams. SAP is also hiking its overall full year guidance, but it's lowering the high end of its cloud revenue outlook. So it's a very kind of mixed picture, positive generally, but some negative undertones there. As a result, 
stock is down just about 5%. And Scott, you know, this is a stock that's already up 35% so far this year. You could argue maybe price for a little bit more positivity. We'll keep an eye on it. I'll send things back over to you. But Dom, you look at these closely every day. I mean, and you see the residual impact on names like ServiceNow, which is down 3.5%. Oracle's down 1.8%. CRM down 2 um, I guess the point being to what you just said, a lot of these stocks have had a really good run. And not just that, the the good run has been there, but it's also been very much, Scott, about the cloud component specifically for each one of those companies. You mentioned the ServiceNows, you mentioned even Oracle. If you're a bigger enterprise, IT enterprise software company, the growth area has been a focus and that growth area has been cloud computing. So even if there is a bump up to certain cloud forecasts, if they don't meet some of those higher expectations for stocks that have gone up as much as they have and seen the multiple expansion that they have received so far, then you kind of get the sell-off. But again, you're talking about a 5% drop, and it's notable. But for a stock that's already up 35%, although I guess, Scott and committee, this is you know kind of on pace with the NASDAQ 100 overall, right? You're yeah, talking 30-plus percent gains for all of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, love you jumping on with us, Dom. Thanks so much for that, Dom Chu. Let's do a mid-year check now with Carrie on her stock summit picks. We wanted to get to that. Um, pretty mixed picture, I guess we could say, Carrie, right? Schwab uh, is down about yep. 20% year-to-date. Align is the, the big winner for you, up 62%. American Tower down 10 And then financials are up slightly now. That was your pick. Took a while to get going, but they appear to be doing just that. But take me through from the top. Let's go with, with Schwab first, your outlook here for this stock. Well, Schwab has been a very interesting name recently. Of course, it went down in concert with the banks, mostly the San Francisco originating banks. And Schwab is from San Francisco, even though they're a Texas company now. And the stock was cut in half and it bottomed at $47 a share. It's up 42 percent since I don't know. The the last couple of um, months have been extremely strong. And when they reported earnings the other day, the stock jumped 12. It's up again today. Financials, uh, as you pointed out, has been very strong. It's the strongest performing sector in the last month. Unfortunately, it's about the worst performing sector for the year. Um, It's up 3 percent. The market's up 18 percent. But it's really picked up the pace in the last 30 days. So Schwab has really confirmed that the cash sorting business, meaning people moving their money to higher income yielding products, that's sort of about ending in terms of movement. And that has been negative on their net interest margin. They also have confirmed they continue to grow their asset base, which has been wonderful for Schwab. Their organic growth continued to go higher. And the whole Ameritrade transition, remember, they bought Ameritrade. The market didn't really like that. But they've converted most of those customers and the last chunk of them that were not yet on the on the Schwab platform are going through that right now. Uh, higher interest rates should help Schwab. Their net interest margin would continue to go higher next year. And mm-hmm. we think by 2025, the stock will earn $6 a share. So Let me like ask you this. Still. Let me ask you this. If you had to... I mean, Align Technologies up 62. Would would you? Are you selling any of that? Are you taking any profits off the top there? We haven't yet. We still think it has more to go. The earnings were hurt because of China and then the drop in uh, discretionary income, and that's starting to come back. And they're moving into the teenage market with the Invisalign product. What would your sector pick be for the second half of the year? Would you, if you had to do it again today? Would you pick financials to have the the best second half or what would it be if not? 
Well, I, I think it makes sense. You know, you look at what's performed poorly and you say, well, you know, financials definitely had a, a real rough ride. And yeah, I would stick with for the second half financials because they're just starting to gain momentum. And, and, the, and the businesses that they focus on are getting better, particularly if we do not have a recession. Yep. All right. Good stuff. We'll take a quick break. Mike Santoli on the other side with his midday word. And by the way, coming up July 25th, you can join me in Los Angeles as CNBC and boardroom host Game Plan, a high powered event bringing in the most influential leaders across the sports landscape. For details, scan the QR code on the screen. You can visit CNBCEvents.com slash Game Plan. We're back on the half after this. We're back on the half. Senior Markets commentator Mike Santoli at the table now for his midday word. Um, Netflix plus, plus Tesla plus, I guess, now SAP yeah. uh, equals about a one and a half percent drop for Nas. And you put it all together. And I have to say, even the pullbacks are not that satisfying for bears. If you've been you know, skeptical of this market, think it's run too far. It's kind of unassailable below the surface. You know, the, it was two to one down to up stocks at the morning. And now it's kind of inching higher to about 40 percent higher. Now, we're going to get to a point you're going to kind of use up the fuel for, for a bit. Um, and maybe it's just the first little warning that expectations in terms of the big growth stocks have gotten ahead of themselves, uh, those stock reactions. But both Tesla and Netflix, they're back to prices they were at like last week. Yeah. So it's hard to say uh, that there's really been a, a change in the overall perception of what's going on. So it works till it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, Apple is, is, is negative now, but yeah. you are seeing the, the other cyclical areas of the market as the Dow's up 265. Just continue that story of, of performing well and maybe taking some of the sting out of the, the negative stories. That's exactly that what's going on. It's rotating as opposed to really having across the board selling. So, again, as long as that remains the pattern, uh, it seems like it's okay. It's getting stretched. I've been saying it all week. Uh, and it just has not really shown a lot of aggressive selling meeting it. We have expiration tomorrow. We'll see if it gets a little looser after that. All right, we'll see you on closing bell. Mike Santoli, thank you very much. Straight ahead, Amy's making a bunch of moves in her portfolio. We'll document them after this break. Welcome back. Uh, mentioned Amy making a bunch of moves. Let's go through them. Sure. Uh, CVS. CVS, you bought more. I bought more. So this stock obviously has been a terrible stock year to date. It hasn't worked. But at about eight times earnings, I think a lot of bad news is priced in. And um, obviously, they'll have hard comps because of COVID, and the PBM has some issues. But again, I think it's priced in, and we're looking for things that a lot of the bad news is already in there. You trimmed Cadence. We trimmed Cadence, which we love, and it's been a great stock for us. Um, it was uh, price target was raised today at, at Stifle, I think, and hit a 52-week high. But it's done its job. It's done a really good job. It's still a big position for us, and it's very thematic. But um, we think you know expectations have gotten very high there. Yeah, uh, take a look at that stock as we just saw it there. Uh, bought more Splunk. Right. So again, we're just sort of trying to lower the PE. Nobody would ever accuse me of being a value investor writ large. But again, just trying to sort of take from some of the stocks that have worked really, really well. Splunk's worked well too, but not quite. 
quite as well as Cadence, um, and just bring down the PE of the portfolio. So Splunk said about a 30 PE. Yeah, 31. 31 versus Cadence at 45-ish. So um, it also has some activists in there and could potentially be a sale. So you trimmed Estee Lauder, which is interesting because it's been disappointing. Right. Um, we've talked about you know the China recovery, luxury travel, whether it's a disappointment or not at this point relative to where people thought. So you trimmed Estee, you bought more L'Oreal. Right. Take so us through that logic. So we've, this is our second trim of Estee. At this point, it's a very small position in our portfolios. Um, I think the travel retail business in China is permanently broken, um, what they've changed their pricing structures there. So I don't think this is going to be a short-term recovery. I think this is going to be a longer-term recovery. And again, Estee's just trading at a much higher multiple than L'Oreal. We think L'Oreal's dermatological beauty business, the CeraVe business, um, is gaining steam. It has L'Oreal has less exposure to China than Estee. So again, just just making that shift. I mean, it's it's still elevated multiple L'Oreal is. It's right. still 36 times it's, relative to Estee's, which 54. Right. So again, it's sort of like the Splunk cadence trade as well. Just trying to lower the PE, get expectations a little bit more realistic. We still think the beauty business is a good place to be, but if we do get a recession, which we don't think is out of the cards, people will trade down, and that will help L'Oreal. Rel- relative to Estee. Yeah, Estee got downgraded today, by the way, at Barclays. That's to equal weight uh, from overweight. And you're right, it was Stiefel on on Cadence with the upgrade uh, as well. We'll do final trades after this quick break. Three o'clock Eastern, closing bell today. I hope you will join me then because Ed Yardeni is going to be with me on set. He's been bullish, he's been right. And we'll find out where he thinks the stock market can go between now and the end of the year, whether he really thinks new highs are in the offing. We'll get his take. Joe T., Steph Link with me as well. So I'll see you in a couple hours on Closing Bell. Want to get to something as well. A note today from J.P. Morgan talking about FOMO. Jimmy, time to raise tactical allocation to underloved commodities, they say. Amidst a broad-based rally in risky assets, commodities stand out as undervalued, underowned, and backed by compelling fundamentals and technicals. What do we think? I totally agree. I'm going to tell you a quick story in the oil sector. Transocean rig, deep, deep water drilling. This is very expensive, very long-duration projects. Two days ago, they announced a half-billion-dollar contract. Get this. It's going to start in the fourth quarter of 2025. Okay. 2025. The oil exploration companies get it that supply is limited, demand is going to pick up. Now I'm focused on oil, but you can shift that to other commodities as well. That story tells you a lot. SLB, uh, Amy's yours. They report earnings a Friday before the bell. Yep. No, we like we agree with the note, and I agree with Jim. You know, there's there's not a scenario in my mind where the world buys 250 million smartphones a quarter, but they don't use energy. You know, so I think energy is discounting the recession. A lot of tech is not discounting a recession, and that creates an opportunity. Yes, yeah, Chevron, by the way, was reiterated today as a buy at UBS. The target did get cut to 202, but as Jim knows, because he owns Exxon, Chevron and Exxon report next week. Uh, on Friday before the bell. So we'll keep our eyes on the commodities trade. All right, let's do final trades. Josh, you go first. Keeping an eye on uh, Biogen, they report next week. This is the fourth cheapest stock in the whole XLV. So I'm not in it yet, just watching. All right, good stuff. Thank you for that. Kerry Firestone, what are you watching? Well, we've talked about Charles Schwab, so I'm going to use that as the final trade at 16 times next year's earnings and all the, the momentum is moving in the right direction. 
All right, looks like I think Amy's got a touche for Jim because that's got to be your Goldman Sachs, right? It is. <laughs> no, it's mine. <laughs> it's my Goldman Sachs. Um, and I will say my financials analyst disagrees with me on this. So sorry, Tap. But I think just as a portfolio manager watching how it's trading after a not a great quarter, I think it, it works from here. All right, Cisco Jim. Yep, if you think you missed the economic strength, there's still time to play it here. All right, thanks, everybody. I'll see you on the bell. The exchanges now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel